I'm Eric too. I'm Allison, and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, the cleaned the whole kitchen before I got home from the gym today, Mr. Eric Robertson. Here I am. Um, you're a nice husband. Thank you. You're a you're a good boy. Thanks. You're a good wife. Thank you. We are so excited you guys are here. This is going to be a really, really helpful episode that I know you're going to come back to time and time again. I see it going viral on the internet, people sharing it left and right, me doing TED Talks and keynotes all around the process. I'm going to share with you today. Let's take it to the streets. <laughs> I have reasonable expectations for my work. This is episode 114. Holy crap, I can't handle this. Now Navigating the hard stuff. <sighs> also, other sound effect. Here I go again on my own. <laughs> Rousing. Going down the only road I've ever known. <sighs> like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Okay, listen, guys. Um, here's what happened. There wasn't a podcast episode last week. It's because something really hard happened. <laughs> Usually I have the podcast planned, but I've been feeling great and just busting out episodes has been no problem. And then I got a huge blow dealt last Tuesday. I actually had to postpone the podcast so I could go be dealt that blow, which made me even more mad. Like, anyway, it's fine. I'm fine. No, really. Like, like I'm physically fine. Everybody's physically fine. Our children are healthy. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start crying. Everything will be okay. It's just really crappy. It just really sucks. I'm legit going through like the phases of like, I think I was in denial and isolation and I've moved into anger is where I'm at now. <laughs> I have moved into anger. So I think that's going to be helpful for the podcast. And here's what I'm going to share with you. As I was sitting with this hard crap that I just don't feel like I have the capacity to deal with right now. This is the process that helped me. And I want to give a huge, huge shout out to all of my Awesome On Demand members. Ayod! If you are listening out there, Awesome On Demand is my private monthly coaching program. And Last Friday, last week, we did our live coaching for February, and our focus this month is I can bring light with me wherever I go. I had forgotten that I was supposed to be doing the live coaching. <laughs> I had forgotten. I mean, just I remembered like an hour before, and I sat down and I was like, "What am I going to talk about?" You know, I want to bring value. These are my these are my VIPs. Okay, they they pay, they show up, they're invested, they're working so hard. I had shared, I had written down this process that was helping me in this hard time and it came up in the live coaching and as it came up in the live coaching my awesome on demand members were able to ask really good clarifying questions and offer really helpful suggestions seriously it's like I like to show up and obviously provide value but the value of awesome on demand is the people who are in it are so quality and so incredible and I'm going to share with you some of the additions and some of the kind of like clarifying factors that they added to this process. And so it's a six-step process. I did it kind of intuitively. I really got 
really excited about it, even in my state of demise, because it was so helpful. And then I talked to Nichelle about it and I talked to Julie about it. They work, you know, they're on my team at the Allison Show. I really know that this is going to help you guys. I'm just really excited. Eric, are you ready? So ready. Bring it. So here's how I want you guys to use this. First, let's all take, this is mostly for me. We all know this, but everybody take a deep breath in and out. So there's a couple of things I want to share with you. And one of them is that most of us have, not most of us, all of us have go-to emotions. While there are hundreds and hundreds of different human emotions we can have, if people sit down and they've done studies like this, if people sit down and record the emotions that they have in like a two-week span, most people list off only about a dozen. And there's usually about six positive and six negative. But I think that we often have just a few, like just a few emotions. Eric, if you're going to think about this, um, what are maybe some of your go-to emotions, some of your positive emotions, and maybe some of your go-to negative emotions? This is a really interesting question, and I haven't thought about this before. Eric is actually taking some time and really thinking about it, and I think that it's good, and a way to help you think about it is think about the last time stuff was piling up and you described it to someone or you said to someone, I just feel so blank. What's the what's kind of your go-to word there? When I am overwhelmed and things seem to be not going well, I think hopeless. <laughs> what I hear you say, Eric, yeah. is bummed out. Oh yeah, bummed out. Sure. If if we can dumb it down to that, that is exactly. Yeah. Oh, and and I love that example because I want other people to not feel like they have to be able to label it in some correct or incorrect way. Like you say, I'm just kind of bummed out right yeah, now. Yeah, I've I've said that. I said that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that out. might be if you were gonna go onto like a feelings wheel, and a feelings wheel can be a very helpful tool, like to help give you some language that you might be like, oh, like disappointed or hopeless. And I want you to think like over the course of your life, would you say that bummed out is one of your go-to states? Or what are some other states, like in high school even, or as a kid, like, or were you, I mean, I know you're pretty even keeled, but you obviously feel negative emotion. You're not a robot. Yeah. Bummed out would, is, is pretty comprehensive. <laughs> it yeah. It takes. And I think that's great because I don't think you necessarily identify with a word like depressed. No. But that could, for other people, they might say, yeah, depressed is the word that I identify with. For you, I think it's bummed out. There's no right or wrong. The whole idea is we have go-to emotions. My go-to emotion for so many years has been anxiety to the point where in the in the last few years where I've learned how to manage my anxiety and how to dissipate my anxiety and overcome a lot of my anxiety, I obviously still have anxiety. But as I've really learned how to manage and work with my anxiety, I can be confused when I have other feelings. And I honestly think it's because I'm not used to having things other than anxiety. Yeah, it over it took over everything. It took over everything. And so we can use our emotions like numbing. So instead of feeling sad, I felt anxiety. Instead of feeling anger, I felt anxiety. And when I had the community members of Awesome On Demand chime in, a lot of them offered up things like self-loathing, like, oh, I'm the worst. Nichelle offered up, she goes into self-loathing or she just detaches. Like her go-to is I'm going to detach from this. Like I'm just going to feel nothing. 
So it's like your go-to could even be like, I don't care. It's not a big deal. I'm fine. I don't care. That might be like a go-to emotion. And Julie was awesome. She offered up. She's like, oh, I'm angry. She's like, I either feel nothing or I'm angry. And so the reason I bring this up is because I just want to start by saying like so many of us, we don't realize that our emotions are habits. And I'm not saying that your feelings aren't real. I'm just saying this idea of a go-to emotion as a habit is a real true thing. Even just having an awareness of that, when I realized my anxiety was a habit, and we have that in my anxiety journey, ding, podcast episode, you can listen. And I really dive into that if you want to dive into that more but just think about your go-to emotions. So here I am, and all, all I wanna say right now, and I'll share more later, I always do, but all I wanna say right now is I've just been dealt this blow. And then right after I've been dealt this blow, I have literally five minutes before I have somebody coming into my office for one-on-one coaching for business therapy. And then I had um, like 30 minutes of work time where everybody's trying to get as much work to me as possible because we I had been out of town. And then I had another coaching person that I needed to do, which coaching one-on-one, you guys, you know, that's vulnerable. That's open. Like I'm looking someone in the eyes and I've just been dealt this huge blow. And then after that, we had a live to announce in brand school, we have this awesome mastermind retreat coming up. I'll tell you guys more about it at the end of this episode. I'm super excited about it. But that was a lot. That was a lot that needed to get done after being dealt like a huge blow. And by about three o'clock, everybody cleared out of the office. I sat there almost in shock, like unable to move. And I, I really sat on the couch for like an hour and a half. I just was trying to figure out or not even figure out because that's kind of my old MO. I was trying to allow myself to process using all of the tools and all of the resources and all that I've learned in the last several years. Very intuitively, this process came to me and it felt really inspired. Here's what I want to say. Like I said, this in in this big scheme of things isn't that big of deal. Like I said, everybody's well. It's just really going to affect my life. And it was a pretty big blow to my life. I just want to say, like, I've been paying attention to how God, even when these really difficult things are going to happen, look for the way your fall is being padded. Look for the way your fall is being padded. My fall was padded in so many ways. I had this incredibly inspiring weekend the weekend before, so I was feeling charged up. The people who I had the coaching sessions with had the most calming, serene, open, beautiful energy. And it actually became this empowering exercise where I got to do something that I really feel I'm very gifted at and remind me like you have these gifts and talents, even if it feels like everything's falling apart and like you've done everything else wrong. And then in between the meetings, I knew I just needed to move. And that's a huge one, guys, is when you get dealt those big blows, I think the first thing to do is I felt myself sitting in that space and I got up and I got in my car and I drove. I physically changed the location, even though I only had 10 minutes to do it. And so I think that that is such an important factor is physically changing your location, moving, physically changing your body. And I got in the car and I drove to So Delicious. <laughs> my go-to comfort zone in the car behind me was my girl, Miss Terrible. 
Brooke. Tara is just one of those people and I saw her and I just started sobbing because I just really felt like it was God, the universe saying like, hey, we got your back. Like these people that you need are going to be put in your life. And it's just like, again, like even though there's so much hard stuff that I'm going to have to do to get through this big blow, look for the ways your fall is being padded because it's always being padded. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Eric? I do know what you're talking about. When I was depressed a couple weeks ago, you helped me see it. And sometimes it takes someone else to point out those things. And sometimes it's a habit to wallow and find identity in wallowing. And you don't want to hear it. But there, are, there is always like, like the pads and like blessings or whatever you want to call them of things that are lifting you up even in these times. And it's, uh, it's really about like perspective and the emotional intelligence or maturity to to see that or want to see it because they are there. And I just want to say, and I love that you bring that up, that I think that's so awesome. Like sometimes you can't see it and that's okay, but you're allowed to wallow and feel like crap and also see how your fall is being padded right? Like I don't want, I'm not going to, I'm not taking your suffering away. I'm not telling you, you can't be sad and you can't feel that blow and you can't, you know, feel like you got freaking punched in the gut. You absolutely like, just because you're grateful that you ran into a friend or you're grateful you had an uplifting, you know, weekend the weekend before doesn't mean then you go, well, and that I shouldn't be sad and I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be grateful. And this isn't as severe. There's people dying and there's the virus and right. Like, because that's just kicking yourself more. That's not from a place of love. That's from a place of criticism. That's your critic, not your creator. That's one of my favorite podcast episodes we have is you're a critic or a creator. That's the critic trying to tear you down. The creator acknowledges that you can have two opposing beliefs in the same breath. And, and that's the sign of emotional intelligence, honestly. So now I want to share with you this six-step process Hopefully identifying kind of some of those go-to emotions can just be like a helpful exercise for you right now, something to just start paying attention to and just ask yourself like, how does my go-to emotion serve me? Like when I'm anxious, it does serve me in a lot of ways because I get a lot done. I feel like I'm getting stuff accomplished. It's a very comfortable place to be in. I'm more comfortable being anxious than I am being really disappointed. We, we have different comfort zones of emotions. And so just a great thing to kind of examine And then another thing is something I've been doing that's been really beautiful for me is when people tell me stories of trauma and tragedy, which I'm blessed that people open up and share to me, I've been keeping a running note section in my phone called Miracle in the in the trauma, miracle in the tragedy, where I'm literally just keeping a list of miracles that people see in the middle of their trauma. It's really beautiful. And so now I'm going to give you this process and I want you to come back to it or do it right now with anything that you're feeling because I, it's you don't have to be like punched in the gut, just hand, handed a hard blow for this to be beneficial. I think coming back and doing this weekly, daily is just a really great way to check in with yourself. Okay. Are you ready for the first step? Yeah. First, thing that you do. And for me, I like to sit down. I was just sit, like I said, I was sitting on the couch in my office, but you can do this even if you have kids screaming around you, even if you're driving. Okay. And you ask yourself the question, what does this feel like in my body? What does this feel like in my body? And the reason why this is such an 
important question is because when we're handed a hard blow, when we start feeling overwhelmed or whatever it is, and we start, you know, spiraling and going into our deep, dark place, um, as I like to call my deep, dark place, we start to become out of touch with our physical body and we're really in our head and in our emotions. This is just kind of a simple awareness, mindfulness behavior of coming into your body. And I like to think of it as let's imagine your brain is what, like the size like of a very large whatever apple or something, okay? I'm, I, have, I have no idea what the actual size is. It's a little bigger. It's, it's bigger. <laughs> I get that it's bigger than an apple. Okay, but let's say like if your brain is the, the size of one, your body is the size of 20, okay? So rather than trying, and this makes no logical sense, but it makes sense to me, rather than using the size of one to process something, use the size of 20. Use the mass and support. Do you, does that make sense? Like use all the mass, all all the support you can get. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like you're dissipating the emotion. Take it out of just diluting. Yeah, dilute it. Let your body really dilute it. And and honestly, we're so out of touch with our bodies. We're so out of touch with our bodies. And so just that question of what does it feel like in your body? So for me, and like I did with Eric that exercise, there's no right or wrong. For me, at that moment, it felt really, really heavy in my chest. It felt suffocating. I I actually wrote it down and here's what I wrote. It felt exhausting. It felt lonely. It felt, I felt it specifically in my chest. I felt it in my legs, like my legs felt really heavy. And so the more specific you can be with body parts, the more your focus and your awareness is coming out of that just over attachment in your brain right? So that's the first question is, what does it feel like in your body? Julie shared, she when she was going through something really hard, she noticed it, it was in her hands and her arms. Like she wanted to get out there. Her arms and hands were just itching to go and fix the problem. And it was like a burning almost. And so this is just awareness. What does it feel like in your body? Okay. The second thing to do, we're going to bring it out of the dark with some words. So goddess queen Brene Brown talks about shame. When we're unable to give voice to lots of feelings or sensations, they quickly turn into shame. And so I like to think of this number two step as, you know, get your flashlight out, turn your flashlight on, turn it inward. And what are some words? So first we've identified it in the body and then we're going to put some words And they don't have to be emotions. They don't have to be feelings. For me, it was exhausting. It was lonely. And sometimes for me, it's just sounds. Like I just kept wanting to go like, you know, like (laughs) what all that's going to do is it's going to shine a light on things. The key during this whole process is nothing is bad and nothing is good. Nothing is bad and nothing is good. You doing it is a good job, period. You're not like getting some gold stars by doing it in some overachiever way, okay? And you're not, you know, failing at it because you're like, I'm confused. I don't know. I don't have a perfect word. No, I just told you a, a, like a, a uh, counts as a word, okay? And so just release as much judgment as possible. What does it feel like in your body? What can you bring out of the dark with words? And then... What does it feel like emotionally? What are some of those feelings? Like I said, we have these go-to feelings. Try to push past those. 
because your go-to numbing, like it feels like nothing. I feel detached. I feel dead. First, we've tuned into our body. Then we're tuning into like what's hiding in the dark. One of our awesome on-demand members did suggest like a feelings wheel. You can just Google a feelings wheel and that might be helpful for you. But even for me, like making a note in my phone, like one word I felt was lonely. That's interesting that I feel so lonely because I actually have a lot of support. That's okay that I feel lonely, but that's super interesting. Like that was my go-to response on that. And then it actually did help me feel a little better because I was like, well, that feeling is warranted and valid, but like I can see ways that I can kind of like lift that feeling a little bit. And then the fourth thing, and this one is so, so important and so helpful all the time. What am I making that feeling mean about me? What am I making this mean about me? Okay, so we all get sad, but we all don't tell ourselves that sadness means the same thing, right? Like you can get bummed out, Eric, and when you get bummed out, what can you potentially let that mean about you? That what I'm working on is, or that what I'm doing is worthless. But but do you beat yourself up at all, like for being bummed out? Uh, or did you used to? I don't think I did. See, so with my anxiety, when I start to feel anxious, I will immediately be like, "No, you don't feel anxious anymore. You're you've worked past this." Oh yeah, I've heard you say that. Yeah, (laughs) Um, and so when I felt disappointed and lonely, I was making it mean that I was ungrateful. I was making it mean that I'm being overdramatic. Basically, when I feel any feelings, I have a story of I shouldn't be feeling them, and I'm being overdramatic. And that, that really comes from people telling me my whole life that I'm being overdramatic, <laughs> which, which I'm sure was warranted in lots of scenarios. But at the same time, it also has resulted in something really detrimental where I've had long stretches of time where I really needed help and I needed to express to doctors my symptoms. And I wouldn't because I didn't want people to think I was being overdramatic to the point where I'm in the hospital after being hit by a car, joking around with the doctors. They're not understanding how much pain I'm actually in because I don't want to be coming on as overdramatic. This idea of what are you letting that feeling mean about you? So much of the time, it's not even the feeling that's so bad. It's what we make having the feeling mean about us. And so that's such an interesting question. It's going to be different for every scenario, but I also think that you're going to find a pattern. Like you're going to find a pattern of like my kind of go-to meaning is that I'm wrong, which is just, I don't know. It doesn't even matter what that means. It's just interesting to have that awareness. Yeah. All we're trying to do is not sink into the deep, dark hole. And these are all exercises that were keeping me from sinking too far into the deep, deep, dark hole. I was still sitting. Like I said, I sat there for at least an hour and a half. Like I sat in it. I wasn't trying just to make it all better. I was trying to not drown in it. I was trying to catch my breath. And then the next question, and this is what you were kind of getting into, Eric. So there's like, what am I making these feelings, these emotions? Because so often, like when we're having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, we're telling ourselves that, okay, what I'm letting this anxiety attack mean is like, I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. I can't breathe. Even just having the awareness to say like, I'm making this anxiety attack mean I'm a failure. Well, 
one thing my therapist has said that is so helpful is just have the anxiety attack. Because I'm like, I'm such a failure if I have an anxiety attack. That keeps me from like just letting the it process, which actually makes an anxiety attack much worse. So don't let having an anxiety attack mean you're a failure. Let having an anxiety attack mean that you need to have an anxiety attack, period. That's all it means. It does, It's like I said, it's not good or bad. It just is. Let's get real stoic for a minute. Okay. Now, the number five question is, now, what's the story I tell myself about this? And that's your go-to story. So share that, Eric. Like, okay, if you're feeling bummed out, it means what? What's the story around it? You can't do your business. You're not qualified. I think there's a, there's a lot of different stories depending on the situation. Sometimes I do like, sometimes I think like, well, at least I have this. And I look at the, this, all this other stuff isn't going right, but at least I have this that I can hold on to, which is, which I don't know if that's healthy, but that's kind of what I do. Like, Well, I would say it's the healthiest would be, I mean, what, whatever the healthiest is. In my mind, it would be the healthiest to not identify with outside circumstances for happiness. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I've actually found myself in that situation recently where like the one thing that I'm like, well, this isn't going well and this isn't going well, but this thing is still growing. Yeah. And then when that thing wasn't growing, yeah. I was like, well, now I have to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, And so that's kind of the danger of that because yeah. that's still placing your happiness in outside circumstances. Also, like we know the power of gratitude and the power of perspective. And so like if you're just grateful presently, that's a little bit different. Yeah, you're right. But I still think it's interesting. Like, so what's the story you're telling yourself? Essentially, what you don't realize the story you're telling yourself is, well, I'm a failure if things don't, go in a certain direction. So in order to not be a failure, I'm going to find one thing that's going in that direction. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the story. Yep. The story is I'm a failure if, okay, better quickly look for some, some way to prove to myself I'm not a failure. Right. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. And one of my go-to stories is the story I was telling myself was, here I go again on my own. Going down the only road I've ever known, like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. And I was laughing because I got in my car to drive to Sodalicious and I turned on White Snake. That's that song. And I was like, why is this the song? And I was like, because this is my go-to story. And and maybe in the past it was true, but it actually has never been true, right? Mm-hmm. And how funny that it's my go-to story. Because it's I'm the only one who can do it. Yep. That's what it is. That's true. That is your story. Yeah. And, and I mean it is it has been. It's not, but yeah. But like that is my go-to story. Yeah. I'm the only one who can do it. There's no one who can help me. I'm a special unicorn. My problem is so special and so unique. No one on the planet could possibly help me with this. And that is a very common story. I hear it a lot from people, but I'm going to be real honest. It takes a lot for people to recognize that they're doing it. Because I'm going to say about half of you. I've done it. I'm going to say about half of you who are listening do that. And only half of you who do it are going to be able to say, oh, yeah, I do that. Because the other half really do think they're so special and unique that their, their situation is so different that nobody could possibly fathom it. But all that does is keep us alone in our problems. So I'm going to recap steps one through five. What does it feel like in your body? How can you bring it out of the dark with words? What does it feel like emotionally? What am I making those feelings or emotions mean about me? Like, are you making it positive, negative? What's your go-to story? 
and just look for that pattern. I was with Crystal Sparks. I'm obsessed with her. I love her podcast. She is the pastor of a church in Texas. She's one of my brand coaches. She was talking about pain and she was like, pain has a pattern. Pain has memory. It goes back and back to that pattern. That's a good thing for us because you can start to spot the own pattern in your life, your go-to story, your go-to trauma, your go-to hurt, but then realize, well, that's actually a story I'm bringing to the situation, whether or not it's true. And like I said, none of this is to argue with you about the severity of the situation. That is not the point of this. None of this is to say, you don't have it that bad. You shouldn't be feeling bad. Nope. I'm not saying any of that. You're valid in your pain. You're valid in your struggle. The point of this, the goal of this is to actually feel it. And the reason it's important to actually feel it is because if you don't feel it, it can't pass through you. It's going to get stuck up inside you and then you're going to have that fibromyalgia. You're going to be having the freaking bowel problems and the ulcers and all of the other health problems associated with holding this crap inside of you, okay? And then here is the sixth and final step, the one that I've been repeating over and over. You just for a minute, if you can... Let's have a little out-of-body experience. Julie put this really beautifully. Julie, who works with me, and she said, just sit next to yourself. And so for me, what that visual looks like is just for a minute, if you can, just witness yourself in this hurt. Witness yourself in this pain. And with as much love and compassion as you have, just put your arm around yourself. Just put your arm around that girl. Put your arm around that boy. And just let them be for a minute. Like you would one of your children or somebody you love or your partner, just sit with them and let them be. And then when you feel ready, say, what do you need? What do you need right now? And don't ask yourself, what do I need? Because that's so hard. But there has been so much like hope and help for me in just like getting outside of myself, sitting next to myself for a minute, putting my arm around, you know, that Allison and looking her in the eye and saying, hey, what do you need? There's just so much love and compassion in that. And I've been doing it again throughout the weekend. I have been starving, like starving, ferocious, gonna cut someone anger. I'm so hungry. I'm like, that's okay. Okay, she's so, wow, she's so hungry. Oh, okay, she's so hungry. <laughs> like, and I kept saying, Eric, like, I'm so hungry. And at first I was like, stop just eating. You're just binge eating or, you know, whatever. And then I finally was like, hey, hey, Allison, hey. And this is me talking to myself. I'm getting real, real with you guys, okay? I'm driving in my car and I'm like, you seem so hungry. What's up? Are you really hungry? Did, am I not feeding you enough? I said back to myself, like, yeah, you're not. You're not feeding me enough. I feel like you're not giving me what I want. And I said, hey, guess what? You get to eat whatever you want. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. And there's not going to be any shame with it. And then I said, but I just want to point out, I feel like even when I give you all the food you want, you still seem hungry. So what is it that you really want? And I just sat there for a minute and I was like, yeah, I might just need like some comfort. I just might need a little more comfort right now. And I was like, hey, you can have all the comfort food you want, but is there other stuff we could be doing to give you some comfort? So much of that comfort, that compassion just came from me 
just having some compassion for myself and just recognizing that I was still sad about what had happened that week and it was okay to still be sad about it. And I just didn't need to be over it and try to figure out and fix it already, you know? So that is your six-step process for navigating the hard stuff. Number one, what does it feel like in your body? Number two, bring it out of the dark with your words. Number three, what does it feel like emotionally? Number four, what am I making those emotions or feelings mean about me? Number five, what is my go-to story I tell myself about having this emotion, about this scenario? What's that go-to story of my life? And number six, sit next to yourself, put your arm around yourself and ask yourself, what do I need? And it's in number six, it's in that step that we can start to take the next right action. That is how we take inspired action, by going in, by tuning in and saying, hey, what could possibly be the next right thing? And I wanna really encourage you to not judge it because I've had some really ridiculous ideas pop up in my mind for the next right step. I kept thinking I needed to go to the salt water, I needed to go to the ocean, When I talked about our topless resort episode, when I got to the ocean, I remembered what a place of power it is for me and how I didn't even realize how going to the ocean would be this super powerful experience for me and give me back some of the power that I felt like was taken, you know, when I had my accident a few years ago. So don't don't fight or judge what that inclination is. Of course, we don't want it to be something harming yourself. Don't listen to those ones. Harming yourself is never inspired action. That is the resistance. That is the enemy. Do not listen to that. But if it's anything that is bringing you um, in a positive direction or even in a weird direction, definitely lean into that. I want to thank you guys so much um, for listening to this. And I wanted to share this one comment that Tamara Weston, who's in my Awesome On Demand group, we were talking about kids and how Sheryl Sandberg in her book... I think it's called plan B or option B. I don't know why I can never remember, but she talks about grief and she lost her husband and she talked about how kids are able to just process grief usually in a healthier way than adults when when they have like a, a loving support system. They, they let themselves feel what they want to feel without like having to perform the feeling. Right. So if Fiona's sad and she's really sad, she'll be really sad. But a couple minutes later, she's super okay being happy. Whereas I think as adults, when we're going through a hard time or something rough has happened, we like have the negative emotion and then we feel like we have to stay in it. Tamara said, and I loved this insight that she added developmentally, children are able to compartmentalize easier than adults, which can be an excellent tool for coping with deep feelings, trauma, and grief. It's not just that they're feeling the emotion. It's like they can reset when their system is overloaded. Too often, adults just let themselves stay in the overloaded state instead of finding a healthy reset. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's fascinating. I loved how she shared that. And I was like, that's what my goal is for this process, is that it can hopefully get you to a place of reset. Not to just bust through it, but like you can sit in that emotion. You can sit in that feeling, but also know, like I said, like you can set a timer on it seriously if you need to. Get up and move your body and reset and then you can you can come back to it too when you need to. So I want to thank Tamara. I want to thank the rest of my awesome on-demand babes for, for really helping me formulate that process. You guys are doing a really good job and I just want you to know that life is hard compared to what? 
right? I woke up at 5.45 this morning yelling to Eric with swear words, with the anger that I was feeling, just saying it feels messy and I'm mad. And then I went and I worked out and I still felt mad. But sitting down and sharing this with you guys, I really do have so much hope. I really do have so much hope. I know that everything's going to work out and even better than knowing that everything's going to work out, I know I don't have to figure it out. All I have to do is trust and relax and stay in the flow. And that is my goal for myself. And if you want to make it your goal for you, go ahead and take it. Do you have a review for us? Beb, you got does anybody care? It's fine. That's actually my go-to story is nobody cares. The funny thing is there's no new ones. <laughs> There's no new reviews. Not since. No, no, no. I keep this in. There's no new. There's Not since January 24th. There's no new reviews. Are you sure there's not a glitch in the system? I'm pretty sure. Okay, so here's what we're going to do is I'm just going to leave this in here because this is real. This, these are real feelings, guys. And if you would like to leave a review, <laughs> we'd really like that. I've I've seen people talking about the podcast. Nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> troubles I know. Crickets. Let me tell you about the retreat we're doing through Allison's Brand School. It is a mastermind retreat. It is a couple of nights here in Utah, and it is a very small group. And my girl Ashley Rose Reeves and I, it is for people who just want to come and get to the next level with their business. So you guys know I have my Build an Awesome Brand workshop, which is amazing. I don't have one of those coming up. And I was going to start doing one-on-one coaching and really realized after looking at the applications for the one-on-one coaching that what we really needed was just a couple of days to bust through some things and get some clarity. But more than that, be in that supportive group that's filled with ideas. And that's why it's a mastermind. So it's really, really small. It's under 20 people. And we have a few tickets left. We put um, tickets on sale just last week. We are so excited. It's going to be in April here in Utah. So if you're interested in that, I have there's so much more information. Go to Allison's Brand School. That's Allison with one L dot com forward slash retreat. Retreat yourself. Okay. We want to remind you guys that you're doing a really good job. It would be nice next week if we had some new reviews. It's fine. I'm not going to grovel, but we appreciate those reviews so much. You guys really are so supportive. And so I'm going to overlook it this one time. (laughs) And I want to remind you that only you can be you and you're already as awesome as you need to be, even if nobody leaves you a review to tell you that you're awesome. Eric, what are you going to take us out on? I'm going to give them a damn good song, even for even with no reviews. Even though they left us hanging? Yeah. That's fine, because we love you guys. This isn't this isn't just no. We don't need we don't need outside validation to know that we're doing great stuff. Yeah, we, we still this love is a good you. Good episode. Our hearts are still pumping for you, all of you. Go 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 go. The song is called Dizzy. It's a brand new collection at Pleasant Pictures Music Club. These songs are the life of the party from the collection Funky Fresh Volume Two. I love Funky Fresh. It's my favorite volume. Yeah, this is the second one because it was in such high demand. This is called Dizzy. Enjoy. <laughs> 